KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, October 27th. Wyatt County Supervisor wants to close the border. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. U.S. News & World Report ranks San Diego as the most expensive city in the country. High housing costs are the big factor in the ranking, with the median house price at about a million dollars. Frank Powell is the president of the San Diego Association of Realtors. He says there's not a lot of room to build new properties. We have on the west, we have the ocean. On the south, we have Mexico. On, on the north, we have Camp Pendleton. And on the east, we have mountains. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics says San Diego's 4.7 percent overall inflation rate was a full point higher than the national rate. Over the last year, the cost of food has gone up 3 percent and energy prices are up nearly 7 percent. There are 11 cases of Mpox reported in the county this month. That's up from three confirmed cases last month. Mpox infections usually cause rashes or sores and in some cases flu-like symptoms before the rash or sores appear. During last summer's outbreak, Mpox mostly affected the LGBTQ community, but anyone can get Mpox. County health officials are urging people to get vaccinated against it. The vaccines are free and are available through healthcare providers and public health clinics. You can call 211 for more info. The Registrar Voters Office is reminding people living in District 4 Chula Vista and the Fallbrook Public Utility or Rainbow Municipal Water Districts that you just have over one week to cast your ballot for the upcoming special election. You can send it in by mail, drop it off at one of the Registrar's official ballot drop boxes, or in person at the Registrar's office from 8 in the morning to 5 p.m. on weekdays. And starting tomorrow, more vote centers will open for early voting. The special election is on Tuesday, November 7th. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me. For more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. County Supervisor Jim Desmond wants to close the border. He says Hamas fighters could enter the country illegally. But border reporter Gustavo Solis talked to Middle East experts who say those concerns are preposterous, unhinged, and irresponsible. It's time to close the border to new immigration. Supervisor Desmond made this proclamation because of a leaked memo from Customs and Border Protection. The memo says border agents could encounter foreign fighters at the southern border, but CBP would not confirm the authenticity of the memo or even comment on it. In fact, border officials say that there is no indication of Hamas terrorists trying to enter the country illegally. This is not just uh, alarmist politicians here. This is but experts who study the Middle East say alarmist is exactly what Desmond and other Republican politicians are. Michael Province is a professor of Middle Eastern history at UC San Diego. It's, it's not based on any kind of basic knowledge of the facts of the situation. 
If a person in Gaza wanted to get to the southern border, they couldn't get out of Gaza. It's completely ringed in by the Israelis. Province says a questionable leaked memo is not sufficient evidence for this level of concern. We didn't hear it from the FBI. We didn't hear it from the State Department. We heard it from a handful of mostly conservative local political officials who have no knowledge of the Middle East. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. The urgent need to find an end to homelessness had state and local leaders under the same roof yesterday. They gathered at the Carlsbad Library to learn about what is being done, the barriers being faced, and discuss solutions. North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us about the discussion. Senator Catherine Blakespear called on all local leaders and service providers to attend a summit on ending homelessness on Thursday. We recognize this is a problem. What can we do at every level of government? So federal, state, county, local, and the nonprofit, and the philanthropic sectors, all of those sectors working together to try to actually reduce homelessness to functional zero. Blakespear said that should be the goal, finding an end to homelessness. But for that to happen, all of the levels involved in solving homelessness must engage together. In a perfect world, Blakespear said she would like to see homeless serving housing matching the point-in-time count data collected every year. That would mean enough housing for the 10,263 people counted in this year's point-in-time count. A 20% jump from 2022. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. California utility regulators are looking ahead to the winter to see if natural gas prices will spike like they did last year. Environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. Utility officials say the early outlook for this winter is much more positive than it was last year. Customer bills soared in January when natural gas prices climbed into record territory. Southern California gas official Ray Sasaki says unusually cold weather conspired with pipeline repairs and low inventories to push prices up. He says the picture is different this year. Currently, there's much more supply availability in the West compared to last year. So most of the pipeline outages have been resolved, um, and, and that's a huge deal, especially with the return of El Paso Line 2000. And El Nino is expected to influence California's weather this year, but it's not clear if that'll mean a colder winter. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Leaders of the LGBTQ pride organizations from around the globe are in San Diego right now for an event called Interpride. Reporter John Carroll listened in on a meeting where senior members of the community talked about how to help LGBTQ plus seniors near and far. This is the 41st annual meeting of Interpride, shorthand for International Pride. At downtown's Weston Gaslamp Hotel, hundreds of activists are talking about a whole host of issues important to the LGBTQ community. One breakout session featured seniors talking about how to help their fellow seniors. Mickey Heller is with Brooklyn Pride. He says some issues like Social Security are shared with straight counterparts but others are unique to LGBTQ seniors. We were talking here today about some who were able to go into senior communities and where they still don't want to come out of the closet because they're afraid of what might happen. Things have changed a lot over the years, but those fears are still inst installed into many of us. Interpride wraps up on Sunday. 
Then the 381 delegates will return to their communities with new energy and new ideas in the ongoing struggle for equality. John Carroll, KPBS News. Coming up, we look ahead to what's going on this weekend in the arts. We'll have that and more just after the break. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. A lot of San Diegans can recall the closing of the Cannes Cinema but fewer can remember the demise of another iconic film venue. The Unicorn Cinema ran eclectic film programs in the 60s and 70s. The La Jolla Historical Society pays tribute to the cinema and its adjoining bookstore in a new exhibit called Tigers, Unicorns, and Puppy Dog Tales. Arts reporter Beth Hacamando has this look back on the Unicorn Cinema. Sometimes it's not just the movies we see, but where we see them that has an impact on us. Going to the Unicorn was always a treat. We we would wander into this little bookstore, uh, go to the back of the store to buy your ticket, and usually a mug of tea and a bag of popcorn. And from there, you'd be permitted to enter this long uh, cinder block, dark movie theater. I think it was something like 50 or 60 seats. It was quite small. And once settled in, all eyes would be on the small screen at the end of the hall, and the flickers would come on. John Rippo was a teenager going to the Unicorn Cinema and its adjacent Mithras bookstore in the 1970s. The Unicorn functioned almost like a kind of underground thing. You had to be among the cool kids to even know about it. And it was kind of a gift that you bestowed on your, on your friends to tell them about it and bring them there. That gift is being celebrated by the La Jolla Historical Society with its exhibit Tigers, Unicorns, and Puppy Dog Tales. The exhibit is curated by Carol Olton, who was the film critic at the San Diego Union when the Unicorn closed in 1982. I really cried in print because it was a very sad time for anybody who really loved film and movies. I was the last employee of Mithras Books Unicorn Cinema, so I turned the key on the final night, which was kind of a sad situation. We had a few people gathered around right after the midnight show. Christopher Canoli also recalls. That's where I was really first exposed to the samurai cinema. 
Many filmgoers got their first exposure to foreign movies at the Unicorn, says Olten, as she sits in one of a pair of theater seats rescued from the cinema. It was a place that you saw French New Wave, you saw German New Wave, you saw stuff from the National Film Board of Canada. I'm Jim Call. So the Unicorn Theater is where I learned to love foreign film. Some of the movies got out after the buses ran. So there were two things that I wanted to do after the buses ran, and that was the midnight movies at the Academy and the Unicorn Theater. So I bought a motorcycle expressly to come to the Unicorn. I'm Jackie Estrada. The thing I remember that just pops in my head when you say Unicorn Cinema was seeing Busby Berkeley movies and coming out of the theater and just doing kicks as we were walking to our car and dancing like we were in a Busby Berkeley movie. Benjamin Darling's father, Harold, and stepmother, Sandra, ran the cinema and the Mithras bookstore. You know, the unicorn was my uh, babysitter because if my parents were busy, they would stick me in Ujimbo or shoot the piano player. <laughs> I think there was some consideration of whether it was child appropriate, but not a lot. <laughs> Sandra Darling remembers that her husband did a magnificent job of programming. Oh, there were so many great films. He got things from everywhere. I don't know where. And all kinds of different things that we tried, like marathons where we'd run something all night. Jackie Estrada remembers those marathons. You just get a photo ID admission thing that you would wear so you could come and go. You'd go home, take a nap, come back, etc. Estrada also remembers nodding off when Lawrence of Arabia played in the middle of the night. She still has some of the gorgeous programs that Sandra designed for the cinema and that now line the walls of the exhibit. That's one of the things I really loved about seeing that show is the, the sense of creative freedom. They just did any old crazy thing that came to their mind, which I love. Benjamin recalls that even the bookstore floor was an act of creativity and an invitation to engage patrons. They didn't have any money, so they threw a bunch of old paper ephemera on the floor and lacquered it. And so it was this insane collage on the floor, which was done out of desperation, but it actually turned into a real thing. To this day, I remember sitting on that floor, exploring the collage, and then watching films by Bergman and Kurosawa long before I was able to appreciate them. But I'm sure the unicorn's joyous reverence for cinema contributed to my lifelong love of movies. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Tigers, Unicorns, and Puppy Dog Tales runs through January at the La Jolla Historical Society. Tomorrow at 7 p.m., they're holding an event called Vamping with Vampires. They'll play a curated selection of film clips from a dozen vampire movies. And before you go, arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans has some other suggestions for arts events to check out this weekend. She shared the details with my colleague, Andrew Bracken. So let's see what's happening in the visual art world. A new exhibit's opening at San Diego Museum of Art. It's called Korea in Color. Tell us about it. Yeah, so what's exciting to me about this exhibit is that it pairs contemporary Korean artists with Korean works from the 19th century, the, the turn of the century. And while those older works are significant, there's just a handful of the traditional works. And the focus then is on these 50-something works made in the last handful of decades. And it's all about this technique called chaseka, which is a term applied not only to a style of Korean polychrome painting, as opposed to monochrome painting, which is also a really popular style of Korean art. 
but also this more like essential, meaningful definition about the purpose of those paintings. It became sort of this folk art, and families would have this art in their homes to bring good luck. And in fact, the exhibits actually, the full title is Korea in Color, A Legacy of Auspicious Images. So it really leans into these concepts of fortune, prosperity, and warding off evil. And one of the most striking pieces to me in this exhibit is, is this 2019 to 2020 sculpture by artist Kim Sangdon. It's called Cart. It looks like a traditional Korean ceremonial funeral boat made of painted wood with these little figurines, but it's set atop a grocery store shopping cart. It's this big sculpture. And the the little traditional figurines and these prosperous images on on the cart feature representations of capitalism and kind of like an information overload, so very modern uh, modern problems. And there's this tiny figure, one of the figures in there is holding a little video camera with tears streaming down their face. It's really striking. And other than that, there's also a bunch of video works and performance works and some big murals, too, in addition to to wall works. And this opens officially to the public on Saturday, and then it'll be on view through early March. Very cool. And just in time for Halloween, local contemporary dance company The Rosin Box Project brings back its annual Ghost Light Masquerade production this weekend. Sounds a little spooky there. (laughs) So tell us more about that. Right. It's an evening-length interactive dance performance, and it draws on myths and superstitions from the theater world, which is a very superstitious world, Uh, like the idea of a ghost light, the single light bulb that was always left burning on a stage in a theater house to both ward off evil spirits and also like a practical purpose to keep it lit in case one of the stagehands was walking around after hours, they wouldn't trip over something. And the Rosenbox does these beautifully produced shows. They're very immersive. So you can expect some really gorgeous sets and costumes. And the the type of dance they do is contemporary ballet, which is this really nice blend of contemporary movements and styles with the structures and the foot movements of ballet. And these, these dancers are also gifted and expressive. And it's also at the Horton Grand Hotel, which is allegedly haunted. So that sets the stage for you right there. There's shows every night through Sunday. Finally, there's a couple of fall-themed events at the Spreckles Oregon Pavilion in Balboa Park this weekend, and they're both free. Right. So first is their Halloween spooktacular on Saturday evening. It starts with what they're calling their Haunted Pavilion. Uh, You can do a spooky tour of the Oregon Pavilion, and there's two options. There's one that's supposedly very scary and another that's kid-friendly. That all starts at 5 p.m., and then at 6.30, they're going to be live scoring with organ music, some silent movies, and there's also a dance performance set to Michael Jackson's Thriller. And then on Sunday, it's their fall family concert, and the San Diego Civic organist Raul Prieto Ramirez will perform alongside the San Diego Youth Symphony. They're going to play some Halloween-themed pieces, and the performers also will be in their Halloween costumes. That's Sunday at 2 p.m. And these concerts are all free, which is written into the deed from when the Spreckles brothers gifted the organ to the city in 1915. Everything has to be free to the public. That was KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with KPBS Midday Edition producer Andrew Bracken. You can find details on these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts.
That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS producer Emmalyn Mohebi and edited by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again on Monday for the day's top stories. Plus, we'll learn about two sculptures in Imperial Beach, both inspired by the city's surf culture. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.